the Kings take care of business on their home court against the Washington Wizards and win 143-131, a score that makes this game seem closer than it actually was. The Kings' garbage time units this season, I feel like, have been terrible, and they're they're making games seem either closer or even farther apart than they actually should be. And the most worried I got in this entire game was when the Kings' garbage time unit allows the Wizards to go on an 11-0 run. There's still like a minute and a half left, and it's like a a 10-point game or something. I was like, are we really going to have to put the starters back in here? But uh, we were able to, to finish it off. And I think the fun thing in this game was you got to see Sabonis, Fox, and Keegan all get it going in the same game. And that's kind of what we expect against a team like the Wizards, who just have an absolutely horrible defense. But it felt like almost everyone had it going on offense. And and I think that's pretty easy to do against this Wizards team. And the Kings just attacked the paint. They just kept going inside. Sabonis was absolutely dominating whoever was in there. And for some reason, the Wizards were not really helping on to Sabonis like every other team does. They just let him go straight at Gafford, go straight at Muscala in the post. It's like, that's that's never going to work. Like, unless maybe you have a guy like Kavon Looney, like the Warriors do, like you can't let Sabonis go one-on-one. And uh, so he punished them. He was dominating early on just with his scoring, wasn't even doing it with the passing. And then he said, you know, I'll, I'll turn on the passing in, in the second half. And he gets the triple-double with 28 points, 12 assists, 13 rebounds and the Kings didn't start this game out super well like the Wizards got out to a little bit of a lead a six point lead I think is is the biggest it got but it didn't feel like the Kings were playing poorly just felt like the shots weren't going down you know Fox wasn't totally activated yet and uh, the, the offense wasn't totally going and then the Wizards were hitting some shots and the Wizards shot extremely well in this game and it just didn't matter they shot 18 for 38 from three, so 47%. When it mattered, uh, they, you know, non-garbage time minutes, they were shooting over 50%. Jordan Poole went to eight for 13. I know at one point he was eight for 11 from three. And they were, they were tough shots. The Kings defense was not bad. And I think that through three quarters, the Kings played uh, really good defense and then just let up in the fourth where they allowed the Wizards to score 40 points. But after that, you know, slow start, the Kings really picked it up in the second quarter, and it was mainly through Fox getting it going. I think he had one point in the first quarter, and then he just went crazy in the second quarter, and Sabonis continued to punish them inside. And I think the one way that you really let the Wizards stay in this game is just by chucking up a bunch of threes. And... I think after the first quarter, the Kings kind of realized that, and Fox especially realized it, and he just kept going to the mid-range and the floater, and that's something that we've seen a lot less of from him this season. He's taken a lot more threes. He still took seven in this game, but we've seen him you know, take 10 attempts. I think he's averaging like eight attempts per game, so he was under his average in terms of three-point attempts in this one. But a lot more minis, a lot more scoring inside. And I also thought that Kings were just super active defensively. You could tell Fox was playing defense with a lot of energy. And 
it was nice to see him back after only missing one game. It seemed like the shoulder wasn't bothering him too much from what we could see. It is his off arm. But he was just constantly harassing Jordan Poole and whoever was on the ball, constantly getting his hands on balls. And the whole team kind of followed suit. I thought Keon was really good in the passing lane. So was Herder. And you know, even old man Barnes was getting in the passing lanes, got that steal in the transition dunk and, and helped on another steal as well. So everyone was kind of getting their hands in the passing lanes, forcing the Wizards into pretty tough shots. And, uh, you know, Kuzma and Poole were, were definitely knocking down shots. Kuzma was definitely a bit of a matchup problem for the Kings. We had Keegan out there on him, and Keegan picked up four fouls in this game. And so that was a bit of an issue because Keegan's usually guarding the less physical wings and Kuzma's a very physical wing and he was going to the rim. So that was, I think, the one thing that the Kings really couldn't stop was Kuzma attacking the rim. And I think that's just another example of a hole in the Kings roster that probably needs to get filled by the trade deadline, whether it is a bigger move or more likely a smaller move for a guy like, you know, Tory Craig is the name that always comes to my mind. Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, guys like that. And we got Juan Toscano-Anderson now, and he played some spot minutes. Like, he would come in in those defensive substitutions at the end of quarters and things like that, and he played garbage time. And so he's a guy that maybe as he gets acclimated could find a spot in the rotation as that defensive wing player. But I think other than Kuzma and Jordan Poole knocking down 30-footers, the Kings defense was pretty good in this one. Again, apart from that fourth quarter where they just kind of totally let up. But Lyles was taking a charge in transition. I know Mike Brown loved that. I thought Sasha Vesnikov came in and was really solid defensively. His help defense was really good. He made multiple plays where he was coming to help and was getting his hands on balls or just being a deterrent at the rim. And his rebounding is, I mean, his rebounding has been really good all season long. He had seven in 12 minutes in this one. Four of those were offensive rebounds. And that's definitely a way he can impact the game on the offensive end is getting on the glass. And, you know, he's not going to get a lot of shots. He got three shots from three in this game and made two of them. But then he also got a nice put back off an offensive rebound. And that's how that's a big way that he can contribute to the offense other than his shooting. So I thought he was really good. Sabonis was solid at the rim. I thought Keon had a really good defensive game and got two tough foul calls that he was very frustrated about. But then he kind of took that frustration out on the offensive end, knocking down an open three. He was struggling from three uh, in this game. At the in the first half, he went one for five from three on the game, but I still think he was extremely impactful on the defensive end. The Kings really took control of this game in the second quarter when Sabonis just could not be stopped inside. Pair that with Fox, who also couldn't be stopped inside. I mean, the Wizards just cannot stop anyone inside at all. Daniel Gafford is no deterrent for Sabonis. Mike Muscala is absolutely no deterrent. Bilal Koulibaly is the guy who's supposed to be their, you know, great defender. But, like, the dude's 19. 
he's going to make a lot of mistakes and they just don't really have a lot of defenders on this team at all. And the Kings just took full advantage inside. And, you know, of course, no team, no other team is like the Wizards. Every other team is going to be tougher to score on inside. But I do think the Kings need to kind of take what they did in this game and apply it in future games where you don't have to live and die by the three. You can get inside. And I think at times they've done that well this season. And at other times they just have been too reliant on the three-point shot. And when it doesn't go down, they haven't really been able to get inside. And then Harrison Barnes uh, decided to take over the third quarter, which was fun to see. He's had a really good stretch of games here. And, you know, talking about the Kings dominating inside, Harrison Barnes also realized that he could dominate on the inside. Nobody on the Wizards could guard Harrison Barnes. He kept getting smaller guys in the post down low. There were some really nice passes, especially from Dilmos, to get him the ball in really good spots, and he was just able to finish at the rim. There were a few open shots from three that he passed up, and I was like, whoa, what are we doing here? And then he would pump fake and get right to the rim. I'm like, all right, that, that's what I'm talking about, like not living and dying by the three. Of course, I would have been fine with him taking those shots because they're wide open, but I do love him being aggressive and getting to the rim because that's something we've seen less of from him so far this season. We just need to see him do it against better teams because, like, against the Wizards, of course, he's going to be able to do that. But I think he's had, like, three straight good games. He had zero rebounds in this game, but the past two games, he's been better rebounding the ball. And then this one, he was showing off the offensive side. And he's been shooting well from three this season. He went two for four in this game. And I still have a lot of faith in him that he can be better than he has shown for most of this season. But he finished with 19 points. And of course, the Kings, I mean, I talked about that hole in the roster. Like, that's not Barnes's thing. He's not the the athletic wing defender that we need, but he can still add to this team in another way. I just feel like he's kind of been asked to be something that he's not. And um, it's also, I mean, I'm not saying he's not to blame at all for his rough start to the season, but I just think he does have something to give. And, you know, I've talked about him maybe in a bench role before, and I, I think that could be good for him, but we're seeing, like, in this game, he still can score the ball. And Herter had a, a solid game. Nothing crazy for him, but I talked about him being in the passing lanes, and then he was also attacking the rim and creating for others. I thought his passing was really good, and he was attacking the rim with force, and he was making his mid-range shots, which I think is the part of his game that's really been lacking so far this season is the mid-range, the floaters that he was knocking down last season, but he just hasn't been able to get those to go so far this season. So when his three-point shot isn't there, like in this game, he's one for four, which, you know, isn't obviously horrible. One for four is, you know, a, a normal night where some nights you're going to go one for four, some nights you're going to go two for four, and that's a pretty big difference in percentage. But even when you don't knock down that one three more that you need to have your you know box score look all nice you're you're getting the mid-rangers to continue to be able to add to the offense so him going three for four 
from inside the arc and he attacks and drew a foul at one point going to the rim. So that was a lot better for him. And we just need to see him continuing to do that. And he also had that moment where he got out in transition and uh, dunked on Kuzma. And the bench was going crazy for him. A little too crazy where they got a delay of game warning. But uh, it was good to see him get it going from inside the arc. And the Kings didn't totally put the Wizards away. Which, you know, it's been something I've talked about this season where it's like the Kings just haven't totally been able to put teams away. And in the fourth quarter, that was definitely true. But I think the only reason that it was even within like 20 points is because the Wizards were hitting some crazy shots. So it's not totally on the Kings. Um, But there definitely was a moment in the third quarter where Fox went out and uh, the Kings started to kind of turn the ball over. Wizards were getting out in transition. And then in the fourth quarter, there were some bad moments where like the Kings were just rushing shots on offense and giving the Wizards those opportunities in transition because the Wizards were living in transition because they can barely score in the half court. And the only way they're scoring in the half court is a Jordan Poole long three or Kuzma scoring. I didn't want the Kings to have to put Fox back in the game in that fourth quarter there, but they, they did. And then, you know, they were able to take him out eventually. But then, uh, man, that garbage time unit was rough. But the guy that I haven't talked about yet is Keegan Murray. Coming off his 47-point game, he followed it up with another solid game. 25 points. He had five rebounds, four assists. I mentioned he kind of struggled defensively against Kuzma. That's the the physical type of player that I think... uh, He's not really asked to guard a lot, and so that was a different challenge for him, and he has to get better defending those bigger wings that are more physical. Like they mentioned on the broadcast, they were talking about Keegan guarding Brandon Ingram, and I thought that was a good comparison where you know Ingram's not going to put his body into you, really. He's going to try to create off the dribble and create separation to knock down a jumper. Whereas Kuzma is just going to put his body into you and try to get inside. But the offensive end was where Keegan really shined in this one. Uh, He kind of got a lucky bounce, I think, on his first three-pointer. And then from there, you know, he's knocking them all down. Went four for seven from three, nine for 17 from the field. He had a rough start from the field in this one. He was definitely like two for eight, three for nine, I think, at one point. And then he really got it going in the second half. And one thing that he was doing well was back cutting the Wizards. And Domas was finding him every time on those back cuts. And the Wizards defense is just, it's sad. Like, that was sad to watch. Just the easiest, slowest back cuts of all time from Keegan. And he just gets the pass and dunks the ball. Like, oh man. It was kind of hard to watch from the Wizards side of things. And there were like, there were times pool was just playing Olay defense, but like not even trying to fake give any effort. Like he was just, Fox just walking right by him. Uh, yeah, the Wizards are, are rough. But of course, still good to take care of business because they have given some teams a little bit of uh, issues lately. But I, I loved the way that Keegan was going at the rim with force. He was trying to dunk on people, drew a foul on one, dunked the ball on a couple other ones and I want to see him get to the foul line more he got there uh three times in this game or shot three free throws 
And the play that I really love, though, is when he came off a Sabonis screen uh, and got the ball and just immediately rose up and took the mid-ranger because no one was there to contest the shot. And those mid-rangers, like, of course, today's game is, you know, all about scoring inside and behind the three-point arc. But if the team's going to go over the screen, run you off the three-point line, I mean, he can step into those and make those mid-range shots so efficiently and he looks so smooth doing it and so it's kind of the shot to keep the defense honest and he can rise up and and shoot over a lot of players and so that's something that I was asking for him to do earlier in the season and he is probably never going to do it a lot in one game but just like a few times a game or, or once even just when he has the opportunity I want to see him shoot that shot and uh, he also got the opportunity to post up. I think it was against Jordan Poole. So that is a massive mis- mismatch. Because if you didn't hear the story about Keegan talking to Monk at practice, saying you know he can post up, and then Mike Brown getting involved, and he's like, "What? Well, Keegan said he could post up? And Keegan was telling him to go watch, uh, watch YouTube highlights of him in college posting up. Because that was a big part of his game in college. He can absolutely post up and score that way the funniest part of that story to me is when mike brown goes what if i don't have youtube i'm just like what do you mean you don't have youtube and they just like told them to google it it's like yeah it's just 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 google it and you'll find it on youtube what do you mean you don't have youtube but keegan was able to post up pool and uh, get really deep inside and draw an and one And I'm all for that when he is the mismatch. But uh, also speaking of post-ups, one, another thing that I love that Keegan does is when he comes around a Sabonis screen, or even, it doesn't even necessarily have to be when he comes around a Sabonis screen, but a lot of times Sabonis will try to seal inside. And uh, he does it a lot and just doesn't get found. But Keegan always tries to find Sabonis inside, and that's just, he does it more than anyone else on the team, and I love it. And he did it in this one, where Sabonis had deep position in on Gafford, and he feeds it into him with a really nice pass, and Sabonis was able to score inside. And so that's something that I've been seeing more and more of from him, is his decision-making with the ball has gotten better, and his passing has gotten a lot better. So those four assists in this game is nice to see. I didn't really talk about Monk yet. Uh, I mean, just not much to talk about. He did his thing, you know, he he came in three for six from three, had his six assists. I think I saw that he's had seven straight games with five plus assists, which is kind of crazy considering the amount of minutes he plays off the bench. He averages like 25 minutes or whatever it is, had 22 in this game. And the thing with Monk this season is his consistency has been the thing that's surprised me the most. For a guy that plays the way he does and shoots the shots that he does, it just is surprising that he's shooting so well from three because he takes some tough shots and he makes some crazy plays inside, makes tough passes, and he's still able to or he's been able to do it super efficiently and a lot more efficiently than he was able to do last season and so just another solid game from him a few other moments from this game at the end of the third quarter the kings weren't 
putting it away. The wizards were just kind of like barely hanging around. And Fox just with a burst of speed gets inside, gets an and one. I'm like, oh yeah, all right, we're we're ending the quarter well. And then Poole comes down and with like just over three seconds to go, he nails an incredibly long three. Poole was on fire and so is the rest of the Wizards team. And that's why it was kind of cool to see that we were still up, you know, 20 points when the Wizards were on fire, but that's just an indictment of the of the Wizards defense. But Fox is so fast. So if you even leave the slightest bit of time, three seconds on the clock, it doesn't matter. And we almost turned the ball over trying to get it to him. I can't remember who made the pass, but uh, he was able to corral the pass and then just an, for a second straight possession, just go zooming down the court straight to the rim and another and one. And now, are they really and ones if you miss the free throws? I don't know. He missed both free throws on you know the and ones, but he he wasn't horrible from the line in this one. But uh, he went eight for twelve. He hasn't been good from the line this season, as good as you know we would want him to be, or or he wants to be. But what really sucks is when when the crowd is giving you MVP chance, you gotta make the free throw, man. I feel like there's been multiple times this season where he's getting the MVP chance, and he doesn't knock the free throw down. Like, come on. No, but those plays were very fun, and uh, also important, because if he doesn't make those plays and Poole knocks down that three, that's a big momentum shift for the for the Wizards to go into the fourth quarter with, and they would be down, you know, maybe 15, 16, whatever it would be. And it would have given them a shot in this game. But uh, Fox said no. Another nice play was that Keon chased down block. I can't remember who that was on, but he chased someone down. Uh, and that was very exciting. Now, it it shouldn't have had to happen because that was a massive breakdown defensively for the Kings. But it's still cool to see him being able to make up so much ground and impact the game with his length. Watching him play defense is fun with his length and the the hand-eye coordination, just his knack for getting his hands on the ball. And uh, him and Fox, that's a fun duo defensively because Fox was absolutely getting into it defensively. And I noticed Fox communicating really well defensively, especially on one specific play where Tyus Jones was calling for a screen and Fox was telling Sabonis where to be and they because Tyce Jones kept coming around and just hitting floater after floater and uh, but he kind of made an adjustment there and told Sabonis where to be and they forced Tyce Jones into you know a different floater still a floater but um, a tougher one that he missed so that kind of that that was a moment that just got me a little excited I also loved Sasha coming in hitting a three within two seconds of being on the court. That was very fun. But like I said earlier, the, the best part of this game to me was being able to see our, you know, quote-unquote big three all going at the same time. And it's also nights like this where you can just really appreciate what Sabonis is able to do. I mean, 28 points, 12 assists, 13 rebounds is insane. And he just was so unstoppable inside. 
his passing hitting cutters was amazing and that stat line is just ridiculous he isn't a, a flashy player although he did have one really nice move where he went uh, up and under the rim but he doesn't get the headlines because you know he's not the flashiest player and you know people are like well it's not it's not the playoffs he struggled in the playoffs it's like the regular season does matter and he'll be better in the playoffs next time i have no doubt about that and he's just for on a night-to-night basis just amazing and then just keegan getting more aggressive getting more comfortable on the ball is fun to watch as well you know it's fox getting the mvp chance and rightfully so but uh sabonis is right there with him when it comes to impact on this team. One interesting note from this game is uh, JaVale McGee did not play. And it makes sense when you look at uh, the Wizards roster. You have Mike Muscala coming off the bench, who's a, a stretch five. And JaVale has struggled closing out on the perimeter and has struggled against stretch fives. And so I think it's the right call because in, in past games... What we've done is we've just thrown him out there for four minutes in his first stint. He's looked bad, and then we didn't play him in the second half. And it's like, in this one, let's just skip that step, and let's just go to what we we know is going to work. And Trey Lyles hasn't been knocking down his threes as of late, but he still usually has a, a positive impact on the game. It definitely was not his best game in this one, but uh, I I think it's still... Just him being out there to space the floor and him being a solid defender is better than what JaVale McGee would give. And that doesn't mean JaVale's out of the rotation. I think it probably just means in certain matchups he's not going to play. And in certain matchups he will. Because the Kings didn't need his size to be able to dominate inside and, and dominate on the offensive glass. Sabonis can dominate inside when he's out there, and then it can just be a, a smaller, more athletic team. Not not that JaVale's not athletic. Maybe athletic was the wrong word there, but like stronger, quicker team that can win in a, a different way. The Kings have remained perfect on this homestand, but that was the easy part going 3-0 and f- through the first three games. We've now won four in a row at home. And are 10 and 3 at home on the season, which is really nice to see. But it's these next three games that are really going to be the tests because it's the Celtics, it's the Suns, and the Timberwolves on the second night of a back to back. Those are three really solid teams, uh, especially the Celtics and the Timberwolves. And we obviously know who the Suns have. Last time we played the Suns in Phoenix, they were without uh, Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, and they will still be without Bradley Beal in this one. But we obviously know the type of guys that they have, and, and they can be a, a tough team on any given night. And then you just have the Celtics, who have or are a just star-studded team, and then the Timberwolves, who have been the best team in the West so far this season. And so this is the stretch of, of games where the Kings can really prove what type of team they are. Are they that uh, top echelon team, or... Are they still just kind of sitting in that uh, second tier? Because so far they have been been better than they were last season, record-wise. And you know we've had a tough schedule up to this point. You know it's gotten easier in these past few games we've played, but we've taken advantage and we've gone five and one in our last six games. 
But I think especially the game against the Celtics, because, you know, we only get to see the Celtics twice, and they're just an amazing all-around team. I mean, their starting lineup is just insane. Like, Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Chris Dabbs Porzingis. That, those are four all-stars slash former all-stars, plus Derek White, who has been amazing for them this season. And they're a, a team who, if they get hot from three, it's it's pretty much over because they're they just have def- great defensive players everywhere. Uh, I think uh, Sabonis can definitely take advantage of Porzingis inside on the offensive end, but on defense, I mean that's going to be a real challenge for the Kings to defend. And we all also got Namish Keda coming back to Sacramento. He has gotten some minutes for the Celtics with uh, a lot of their bigs being out and he has been he's been solid for them in those minutes so maybe we'll see a a Kata revenge game hopefully not but uh, but maybe anyways that is it for this episode of the real report I will be back on Wednesday to recap that game against the Boston Celtics peace